Well, good evening. I'm going to do a quick poll. How many of you in the room, and you can show of hands, how many of you in the room, your personality is the type that if you're about to do something, if somebody's asked you to do something, you almost need like a list or it's scheduled out in maybe in, in extensive detail. Is that you? Are you that type? How many? Okay. All right. There's quite a few. How many of you are kind of a fly by the seat of your pants kind of? All right. There's a few. There are more out here like you than me, all right? More out here. My, my son, Griffin, could probably not be more opposite from me. Um, he is the most like his mama, and he is the least like his daddy, which is one of the reasons he and I get along so well, actually. But Griffin is a very routine, scheduled, uh, timely, listed-out fellow, and his daddy is... Um, works hard at that. So here we sit after having a prayer session uh, in my office before coming in here because he's like, Dad, I'm a little bit worked up about this tonight and you really haven't told me much about what we're doing. And I said, son, we're going to share about Ukraine. Simple as that. So here's what we're going to do so that you know for you list-making people. We're going to, we're going to read a passage we're going to tell a really long story, and we're going to bring it back to the Scripture. Three things. Are we good on that? Can we do it? Good. We're going to show you some pictures in the process of this. Um, as we get started, let me just tell you the reason, um, and I've had a lot of people ask me about, you know, why Ukraine? Um, our Ukraine involvement actually dates back quite a while, six, really seven years, I believe. Um, I was preaching a sermon um, Right after, who was born? Mylon. Right after Mylon. Yeah, he's the one that's seven. So I was preaching a sermon right after Mylon was born. I don't think, he wasn't even six months old yet. And we had a team going. I have um, a couple of friends of mine are missionaries to Ukraine. They work out of the States, but they, they work all summer long in Ukraine and working with teams and that kind of thing. And so we had a team going out of our church, and one of the ladies suddenly had to have surgery and could not be a part of this team. And I can remember standing in the pulpit, no lie, I was standing in the pulpit, and I said very definitively, I think I even pounded on it, I said, God has called somebody in here to take her place. It might be you. And I got home that afternoon to discover that that you was my wife. And so she went off suddenly to Ukraine. And I mean, we had minimal time. Now listen, I've also spent much of my preaching time telling Christians that you should have a passport. If you're a Christian, you should always, every Christian should have a passport. I believe that because you never know when God might call you somewhere that you need a passport to get to. Our family did not have passports, so I was preaching a lie. All right? I have been preaching. Actually, I take that back. Because I was not operating in truth doesn't mean the truth doesn't exist, right? So I did not personally have a passport, neither did my wife, but I taught all the time that Christians should have passports in case God calls you out. And sure enough, in that message, God called out my wife to go to Ukraine. And from there, started our introduction to Ukraine. Now, I've been one other time, and that was actually to help minister to Ukrainian missionaries, all English-speaking, all American. Um, it was an annual gathering that they have once a year that, obviously, annuals once a year. They'd come to this place. They'd have somebody come in and preach it while they were there being refreshed. That was my involvement with Ukraine as far as going. Since coming to Win, and even a little bit before, I had resolved that perhaps 
really my role was to stay home and allow my family to go as God directed. Jennifer's been on several trips um, throughout the world. My oldest son has been to Zambia. Griffin has been to Haiti. And uh, I had pretty much set anything of my own involvement aside. That's important. It's important because going to Ukraine this summer was absolutely not on my radar. Absolutely not at all something that I was planning to do, um, had any inkling whatsoever to do. And so with that, I'm going to have Griffin read this scripture, and I'm going to ask him to uh, share a little something with you. Why don't you go ahead and start with that scripture? Okay. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing considering the lilies of the field? How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Matthew six twenty-five through 34. Very good. We're going to get back to that passage in just a little bit, but it's particularly uh, significant to me in this whole journey. But what I would like Griffin to do, because this is significant in the reason we went to begin with, is to share a little bit about the experience that led him to know that uh, Ukraine is where we would spend some time this summer. Okay, so when we did the week of prayer here, I think it was April, I did one of those hours, and there were seven stations. I was at the mission station, and I was looking for Haiti on the map, but I couldn't find it. You've been to Haiti, though, yes. right? You just, okay. So I was trying to pray for Haiti, but I couldn't find it. So then I found Ukraine, so I decided to pray for it. So I was praying for Ukraine, and then very clearly God said, go to Ukraine. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> that might be it for you. <laughs> but that's not so much it for our whole family. You see, um, that did not make one lick of sense to us. Um, we were already in the process of Jennifer going to Ukraine in the fall. We had been in touch with um, our missionary friends, and there was a need for a ladies' conference to be led in Ukraine um, that they asked her about leading. And so, and she is doing that. She's uh, going in the fall. Lisa's also going in the fall in September, and it's, a specifically, it's specifically a ladies' event. It's a ladies' conference. 
Um, and that presents a bit of a problem because we already knew that was being scheduled, but there's no way in the world for Griffin to go and participate in a ladies' event uh, exactly. So it didn't really make sense, and it's not like we didn't try to force that. I mean, I was thinking, well, maybe, maybe there's something to be done. Well, it turns out that they were going to meet with the missionaries to talk about this plan in the fall, and I decided to tag along. Um, uh, you know, they were having donuts or something. And so I, I joined them for this meeting, and in the process of this meeting, I was listening to them explain to them all that needed to be done, what they were expecting, what this plan would look like. And as they were talking, they threw out this mention of still needing to fill a spot in the summertime. And I'm like, well, what kind of spot is it? They said, well, it's a, it's a, we're, we're looking, it's a kid's camp kind of thing, and we need somebody to come pastor that camp. I said, really? Okay. Well, you know, as you know, our summers are busy. Student ministry, children's ministry, it's busy in the summertime. There's a lot of things on the calendar. I said, well, just out of curiosity, when are the dates? And they told me the dates. And I pulled out my phone. I'm looking at it, and it's just so, I can't say just so happens, right? It just so is that VBS is right prior to it, and the center shot camp was right after it. And I'm looking at those weeks in the middle, and I'm thinking uh, that weekend, I'm like, there's absolutely, I have absolutely nothing that I have put down on the calendar for that time frame. Nothing. And all of a sudden, it started to sink in very clearly to me that perhaps God was actually leading us down a different path, an unexpected path, particularly for me. And not because I needed to find a way to get Griffin there, but I think God was using Griffin to get us both there. I think God was speaking through Griffin first to heighten my awareness of this need. And so I told, I told my friends, I said, look, I said, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to think on this and pray on this a little bit. And I continued to do that. And um, very quickly, I mean, immediately, God started to affirm this, this possibility. Um, I sat down with, with Don. I said, look, there's this opportunity. I'm, uh, here's, here's the way it's played out. He said, you, you need to go. Just go. He said, you, you've, got, you've got the available time. He said, you know, it's not going to hinder anything. You go ahead and go. And um, very supportive. And so I, call, I sent an email. I said, looks like we're on board. And they were excited. And let me just tell you that this trip literally scared, really scared me to death. It, it honestly scared me so much. And I didn't share this with Griffin at all. Um, it's been a long time since I've been there. And it's the only time, that, that was the only other time I've ever been to Ukraine. Um, as the week approached, I was discovering more and more that I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. Um, and even though, even though I might be whimsical, and even though I might be spontaneous, and even though I might be ready at the drop of a hat to do whatever needs to be done, I was extremely nervous about what we were going to do, because I really felt like I didn't have a clue. I want to show you some pictures. We brought some pictures. Uh, we don't want to bore you, but we thought we'd bring some pictures. Obviously, that's our flight trip to Ukraine. Um, we, why don't you explain the flights a little bit, Griffin? How long did it take us to get there? You're, you're kind of a numbers and list-making guy. We had three flights. Okay. The first, the first one was three hours from Memphis to Charlotte. second one was from Charlotte to Barcelona, and it was nine hours. Then the last one was from Barcelona to Kiev, which was three hours. You don't remember that one at all, do you? No. Yeah. Um, so, and then the time in between of the airports for all of that. So that's where, yeah. See, there's our third flight right there. 
uh, I decided to take a selfie with Griffin. I think he slept all three hours of that flight, uh, and that's the flight that took us right into Ukraine. So once we got into Ukraine, Griffin had to go through uh, security checks, and uh, I actually realized after taking the picture, this is a no-camera zone, uh, and <laughs> But, you know, this is the spot where they check you and do all kinds of security measures and things like that. And then once we got in there, um, we've got a few pictures to kind of show you exactly um, what the... Well, let me describe Ukraine a little bit. I took this picture because this and the one after it are very uh, reflective of the Ukrainian culture. It might be hard to see, but there's two ladies sitting right here. And they are dressed and they look exactly like you kind of picture Russians or Ukrainians to look. Now, this is an older generation of Ukraine. Ukraine has been free for about 20 years, a little over, about 23 years. Um, they're no longer under the Soviet Union and certainly not under communism. So they have this newfound freedom that they've been discovering for the last couple of decades. So you see some of this, and you certainly see the remnants of, of an older life uh, in Ukraine. And I just captured these because I thought that was kind of, a, kind of a reflective. We went to, this is a, a statue that stands in Ukraine, and it's significant because it's uh, similar to our Statue of Liberty. This uh, statue represents their freedom. It represents their liberty there, and what it does, it stands above this museum, and this museum is something that we toured, and it's a World War II museum, and it's from the Ukrainian perspective because obviously Hitler came in and tried to take them over um, well before they, they rose up and fought back, and what this is is, you might not be able to tell, but this, these are, this is clothing for children. Um, and this is a display in the museum, and there are pictures all through the museum of children behind barbed wire and people behind barbed wire and uh, just the horrific situation that occurred um, under that takeover. Now, this part of the museum is actually new. This is for the current, the current difficulties in Ukraine. So if you watch the news and you see where Russia has occupied a certain territory of Ukraine, um, this, this is actual stuff that they've added to the museum. Even though it's a World War II museum, they've added fresh and recent uh, items from the current um, conflict that's going on in parts of Ukraine. I just wanted to show you kind of an idea of where Ukrainian, you know, where, where the Ukrainian mindset is and what Ukrainians deal with. And this is the Ukrainian family. Uh, right there is... Pastor uh, Valeri and his wife Lila and their littlest girl, and uh, this is who we stayed with. Now, this is one of the things that made me nervous because the last time I went to Ukraine, I stayed in a conference center, and it was, um, at least by Ukrainian standards, it was very luxurious, and um, I was very nervous because I knew I was going to have to stay with a host family, and I had no idea what was in store for that. Uh, I was scared to death. I really did not want to do that. In fact, I had multiple conversations on the patio with Jennifer saying, you know, I just, I, this, I, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I was expecting. This is not what we planned. Um, it feels like it's being changed on me all of a sudden. And uh, I was in tremendous uh, anxiety and worry over what was next. These are the, well, that's Griffin. That's myself. And this is Misha, which would be Michael in our language. And then this is Griffin and myself. We're standing in front of uh, one of the churches that we went to. Now, this was Sunday morning um, where we attended. Well, the picture wasn't taken Sunday morning. You're right. But we took it in front of the church. Now, in that church, um, I, when I, I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned or not, we were kind of doing this Ukrainian style. In Ukraine, if you go to church, and our church was about two and a half hours long when we went, the worship service. And so when you're there, you could show up, and they may, they may just call on you and say, hey, today you're gonna, I want you to share a Christian poem. 
Or today you're going to sing a song. In fact, they would say, you sing, if, if you were like, if you didn't speak Ukrainian, they would say, you sing, please. And you're like, what? You know, I don't, are you kidding me? And I've got a story about that here I'm going to share towards the end. Um, I had the opportunity to preach in this church, which was planned, um, and that's my translator. His name is Sergei, and so that was my first experience of having to preach through a translator, uh, so it was a much slower speech and probably better uh, for everybody. I don't know. Okay, so do you want to talk about this? Let me just preface it with this family ended up being a fantastic family that we stayed with. Pastor Valeri was absolutely amazing. My translator did not stay with us, so most of our conversation was Google Translator and charades. <laughs> and what I didn't understand when he was asking me was, he's asking me, do you have a, do you have cart? That's what he said. I'm like, I'm like, well, you, well, at first I thought he said sports car. I'm like, no, I don't have a sports car at all. And uh, he said, no, 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 cart. Do you have a cart? You know, it's like, I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'm, well, you know, I've got a golf cart, and um, so I'm trying to, he's, golf cart? Uh, no. So I'm showing him a picture of the golf cart, he's like, no, 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 no. So then he shows me another picture. What he's talking about are apparently go-karts that go at such high rates of speeds that we have to wear helmets. <laughs> and he was taking me to ride carts. And so he took Griffin, he took his boys and, and me and Griffin, and there they are, it's kind of blurry there, but they're getting ready to ride or just ridden. Um, they're helmeting up also, and I had to sign something that I couldn't read uh, for, for Griffin to participate. How, did they go pretty fast? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there they are kind of rolling off. It was all indoor, and it was, this, it was actually this huge uh, mall area kind of thing. That, um, was, and there we are after our he, the Ukrainian. Uh, I'm sad to say the Ukrainians beat the Americans uh, on this particular run, but they drive so crazy in Ukraine. So he was well-skilled at what he was doing. But we had a good time together. So we put those pictures in there for you to see. This is where we stayed. So I was a little nervous. All right. But once we got inside, um, this, was, this was their kitchen table. And something that's unique about Ukrainian families to me, and this is what I think is, um, I find very special. Much of Ukraine reminds me of, and I wasn't there at the time, but if you took America and shaved about 70 years off, there are elements of Ukraine that remind me of what I've read and seen in old, old footage and, and books about America 70 years ago. You know, even, even, even down to the kitchen. I mean, the kitchen here is very small. There's a small table in the kitchen. Um, they gather around the table, and I guarantee you they eat every single meal around the table together, specifically and deliberately. The community outside is very much like what I, my grandparents used to talk about, their neighborhoods, where people would just come out and, and fellowship and have time together. The way the churches are, because they're so fresh and new, you know, they're not under any kind of persecution or oppression. You can, you can have a church in Ukraine freely, and it's very much like what I hear old American churches described as. Everyone in the neighborhood coming out and participating at whatever's going on at the church site. So it's really kind of a beautiful thing, and part of me thinks, wow, oh, you know what, you could, you could go to re Ukraine and kind of start, start over, right? You know, we take the things that we've, mistakes we've made in America in some areas and kind of maybe help them not repeat them in their process, because it does feel like they're following a track record that American ha America has taken in terms of the local church. Um, this right here is a session that we were in. This was our conference room. Now, you'll notice this tree in the background. That is a cherry tree. 
And you've not had a sweet tasting cherry until you've had a cherry off of that tree, freshly picked right in the middle of a conference while you're talking about what you're going to do the next day. This is where our, oh, that's, that backyard is where our preparation began to take place through translators. These are our name tags. We start each day with our name tags. I'm Tog, and Griffin looks like he's tilapia. But if uh, that actually is the way the D is written in Ukraine, and they didn't know I have two in my name. So uh, I was Todd, and uh, Griffin was Griffin. Right? Everybody say that with me. Griffin. Okay. All right. So we start every day with our name tags. Oh, yeah. Now, that's the backyard of the church where we did our camp. And you can see all the children. What they would do is they would line them up out back, and they would do what they called exercise. And uh, the adults would get into that as well. It's much like our opening celebration of VBS. So, I mean, we you know, played a lot of songs and had fun doing that, dancing around. Uh, now, this kid right here, what's his name, Griffin? Lasha. Lasha. If you asked any child in the neighborhood or in the whole village of Bodanica, who is the most disobedient child in the world? They would say Lasha. The irony is that Lasha wears a hat that says obey. Because <laughs> he can't read English. He has no idea. It's fashionable to wear English writing on your clothing in Ukraine. And so it's, it's kind of hilarious too because there's a whole lot of life's a beach shirts and, you know, one lady showed up to help us with some profanity on her shirt. She didn't know. Um, you know, it's just, you just have to roll with it and, and, and do the best you can because she, she didn't know. Now, I took this picture because these are the older kids in our group. Um, I thought it was neat because they were leading. And, you know, and that's not so unlike here. One of the things we like to do is try to get our kids leading early and as soon as possible with our orchard team and that kind of thing. And those kids came up wanting to do it. Um, this is one of our main sessions. This is where we met every day. This was the sanctuary of the church that we were in, and it's actually still under construction. And those are a few teenagers that were helping, uh, just very much like here. They were leading music, which was led with a guitar. This is a time, hey, I got to help with English classes. Um, when we were there, this uh, translator, what was her name? Um, not Natalie. I don't remember either. Oh, snap. Oh. Natasha, that's her name. Okay, so she was teaching English as a second language to the Ukrainian children, and so she's using our Bible verse for the, for the week or for the day in the Bible story and doing that with small groups of children at a time, which they absolutely love to do. It's a big deal in Ukraine to learn English if you can, and uh, they, they work hard to do that. Uh, it's a huge opportunity, particularly for Americans to come and help with that. My translator was also a musician, he could play the guitar, he could play the piano, and the accordion. That was interesting. I think that's Losha over there.
that was early in the week. By the, uh, towards the end of the week, we ended up having about 80 children in that room um, singing songs, and that wasn't the only song we sang, but that was one of the ones they knew in English, and I thought it was cool that they had taught them, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, and I was thinking, when's the last time I sang that song, really? But uh, it was cool to sing it with them. This is one of our sessions upstairs um, where we, were, we broke our groups into small groups, and I was, um, I was in charge of telling the story every day through my translator. Uh, so it's a shot from that. This is where they did our like crafts, and it was an outdoor pavilion. Um, the kids, uh, they may be bowed in prayer at that point right there, but they would all just rotate out to that little shed. That's also where we had lunch every day. That's just another shot of uh, telling the story. Um, that little girl's looking out the window. The pavilion again with some crafts. That's our whole group uh, shot. Now this picture right here shows the front of the church. That's where we were, and right there front and center is Pastor Valeri, who has now just become, uh, man, just a super great friend. Uh, all the kids right there in that picture uh, that we saw all week long. This was a moment where we were able to share the gospel with the children. We did, um, we used, you might remember Mike doing a one-verse evangelism uh, demonstration up here uh, back last year or so. What we do is we took that same concept and did it with the kids in Ukraine. And I do it with kids anyway. I do it with kids in my office. I do it with kids when I, when I meet with them and their parents. We always work through it. Worked great in, trans, in Ukraine and translated very well. We drew that on the wall. This is our lunch every day. Griffin, did you like lunch every day? No. Why didn't you like lunch every day? It didn't taste good. <laughs> Griffin did not like borscht. Now, borscht is soup, and that's what we had every single day. Now, this is a picnic lunch, by the way. I mean, every day, and again, gathering around the table, having tele table fellowship together, having a meal that was cooked and brought to, and literally cooked and brought to us every day out here um, at this pavilion. And so you can see there's plenty of vegetables and things like that. Most houses have a garden. Um, we spent some time in this one, and the lady says, anything you like, you may have. Uh, felt a bit like the Garden of Eden, Griffin's. Uh, pulling from, he's eating strawberries there. They're the freshest that we've ever had in our lives. And they would gather around outside under a little pavilion, and we eat fresh fruit all together. There's some of the children that would come around and join us. Okay, now this is, uh, I took this picture because this is an example of what Ukraine is like compared to America. I was, I don't know exactly how fast we were riding, but I was sitting in the front seat of a van holding this baby at extremely high rates of speed. Again, not so different from old America. If you remember riding up in the back seat of the car up behind the window or in the back of a station wagon or something like that, seat belts are just, I mean, they have them, but nobody wears them. All right. Every day, every day, every day, I set up and took down a stinking trampoline. I sent this picture to Lee Nicholson because she needed some help to setting up a trampoline right before we left, and Griffin and I went over there and helped her do that. I've never done that before, ever. I sent this picture to her, and I said, you cannot, I cannot tell you how thankful I am that I had to help you set up this trampoline because every day we set up and took down this trampoline for the children because the way our day played out, we had our camp from what? What time was it? From nine-ish to two, nine to two. Then we'd have lunch, and then they would come back, and we'd stay there till about six or so. And they would play and that kind of thing, so we would do this trampoline work. These are a little bit dark, 
This is a, and I'm gonna, we're gonna get, we're getting close to the end here, but this is a, uh, it's a shot of Griffin. One of the things that Griffin did while he was there was kind of share his story. And um, he did so through a translator um, while we were there. And I thought, we've, I think we've got a video. Meet with people about Ukraine. And they told my dad about Ukraine this week. And they told my dad about Ukraine this week. And so my dad prayed. And God told him to take for me and him to go to come here. І Бог сказав до його серця теж, послав бажання, щоб і тут, і Гріфін приїхали, і були на Україні на цьому тижні. So we prayed and prayed. Ми молились і ще молились. And now we're here. І тепер ми тут. Можна поплакати. So that was him sharing um, his testimony with them. I only got a little portion of that on film. At the end of the week, I don't know, you might recognize some of these shirts. We've had in the office a ton of uh, boxes that needed to go somewhere overseas. Um, some of them were old t-shirts that we had. I mean, they were new, but they were just uh, leftover t-shirts from years past. It was some stuff that had been donated to our church also that we couldn't distribute in the States because they were logoed and, and they needed to be destroyed or sent overseas. And so um, when my, my Ukrainian f- um, missionary friends came to visit and uh, I asked them if there was any need over in Ukraine for such things, they said, absolutely, we'll get them there. And so we loaded up, I don't know, six or eight boxes. Well, it turns out that it, uh, the village where we were in, Boldanovka, and I'd like this picture to stay up for a little bit, too, by the way, because I want to talk about something else. Uh, the village we were in, it turns out these shirts, um, the t-shirt part, found themselves to the very location where we were. So at the end of the week, all of the children that came um, got uh, really a little piece of Wynn, Arkansas, to wear home. Uh, and, of course, it's in English, so they love that. Uh, at least now they've got appropriate wording on their, on their clothes as they go out and play. One of the reasons I want to leave this picture up here is because I don't know if you can, if you look closely, I've got a lot of video footage that we didn't include in this particular showing, but one of the things I made sure I captured on video is the neighborhood street. If you look across the gate, you'll see blue and red and white and then red again on the right over here. Those are all fences. If you were to walk down a street in Bodanovka, or for that matter, just about any village in Ukraine, it is, it is fence after fence after fence after fence. And they're solid. I mean, they're, they're high. They're usually maybe painted. Um, you cannot see through them. And a lot of them even have deadbolts on them. Um, and I, I've heard different things about that. Some people say it's to keep the cows out. <laughs> um, and there are cows that travel the road back and forth. But I've also heard that it's, you know, having been under the former, you know, the Soviet Union, that there's a whole lot of uh, privacy concerns, you know, that somebody's always watching and uh, somebody's always concerned with what you're doing uh, in your life. And so there's these barriers up everywhere. And so everyone's house, every building, um, they have a fence surrounding it. The thing I found interesting about Ukraine, and particularly Boldanica and Pastor Valeri, is that Pastor Valeri, for, for his context, is a really forward-thinking, visionary pastor. If you notice, this is his church yard. He has a fence. Now, it's important to have a fence in Ukraine. It really is for a lot of reasons. 
But if you notice, his fence is wrought iron. I mean, you could see everything going on in his, in his church. If you walk down that street, and I did many times, it's fence after fence after solid fence after solid fence. And when you get to the church, it's this open, airy space. In the week we were there, full of children and people playing and laughing, smiling, and having a good time. One of the significant things about Ukraine and the Christians in Ukraine is that they have a different demeanor, completely different demeanor. Most people in Ukraine don't want to make eye contact. They look down, especially the older, the older you get in Ukraine in terms of generation, the more so that's true. Now, the younger ones that are born into freedom, they're a little bit more expressive. But when people are saved in Ukraine, it really does transform their, their, just their bodily expressions and their demeanor. They make eye contact. They smile all the time. The women in Ukraine deliberately dress a certain way because it identifies them as, as Christians. It's fascinating. It really is. Um, I had little girls showing up. We had little, I mean, what, 10 or 15 little girls showing up like they were ready for Easter Sunday. I mean, that's how they came. I, I sent, you know, I was thinking about people all week long. I shot a text, a picture to Sonny Moore. I said, man, your girls would fit right in here in Ukraine. Because I had little girls showing up with big bows and hair fixed up, little sundresses, poofy dresses. I mean, even on water day, and that's where everybody squirts you with water. Even on water day, they show up in, in this kind of gear. Because it's special to them. I mean, their new faith is that special to them. And they want to display it any way that they can. But I thought it was fascinating that Valeri had done this with his church. And as he has seen other churches in Ukraine, um, he's almost, it's funny, he's almost not especially critical but he's um, very, he questions a lot. He'll say, I wonder why this guy turned his church this way. Why didn't he put Jesus save on the roof? Because there's an apartment complex behind it. If, if they could see that Jesus is on the roof, they'll know this is a church. And he thinks in terms of how do, you get the, how do you get the information out to the people? How do you communicate all of this to the people? And I love that he thinks like that. I watched him, I watched him love on the hardest, toughest kids to love on this week. That kid, Losha, that didn't obey or anything at all, I mean, I saw him take him off to the side. I mean, he had to scold him for sure, but I saw him take him off to the side, put his arm around him, and just talk to him, just spend time with him. And one of the other ladies would come up to me, and she said, oh, you know, Losha, some, some kids come from, from bad families. And I know what she meant. Um, she meant he's, got a just, he's just got a tough home life. Um, and in Ukraine, while Christians do have the freedom to worship and do as they, as they like in that, in that realm, um, they are still also very dominated by the Russian Orthodox Church. And in many of the villages, the priests will sabotage what's going on. So while it's not really persecution, it's definitely an undermining of what happens. And in the different villages, they, they have different things. In our village, um, the priest was described as, as highly drunk all the time and behaving very badly. And they left it at that. Um, some of the other villages, they have a hard time having camps because the priest will send out flyers. He'll get out into the neighborhood and tell them that Christians just want to eat your children. They're going to kill your children. They don't like your children at all. It's a trick to, to lure them in. And uh, so children are sometimes discouraged from even, even coming as a result of that. If something tragic happens in the community, the priest will sometimes say, you see, those children are the children that went to that camp that they had and see what happened. So there's, a, there's a, a clear undermining of what's going on over there. But one thing is for sure, 
they do love Americans coming. The Christians love Americans coming and spending time with them. Um, they, love, they love that Americans care about what's going on. They love that Americans care about what God's doing in Ukraine. That shot right there, of course, that's Pastor Valeri, uh, Griffin, and myself. We did not know each other at all that day. You see that smile right there? That's the fakest smile I have ever put out on anything. I'm standing there with a man that looks like, I mean, he looks like he could have been a part of the mafia or something. And I'm standing there thinking, oh my goodness, i got to go live with him. I can't even communicate. And it turns out, I mean, the, the brotherhood that developed in that week um, with he and his wife and his kids was like, like nothing I, ne- I ever could have imagined. Ever could have imagined. And that kind of goes back to it kind of goes back to our scripture that I had Griffin read out of Matthew where Jesus says not to be anxious. When we went on this trip, and I think Griffin will agree, we went into this trip feeling probably less prepared than I have in anything I have ever done in my life. Anything. I went into this thing with the, with the most cluelessness that I think I've ever approached anything at all. And I started day one in terror. I preached sermons in terror and scared. And I I can remember sitting out in that yard eating cherries, just shaking, thinking, God, I have no idea what we're going to do. I have no idea how this is going to work. I have no idea what I'm going to say in the morning. Because on on Saturday night, we were were talking about what was going to happen on Monday. And then it was then that I realized, okay, God wants me to talk about the body. He wants me to talk about the cohesion of the body of Christ. And I, I realized very quickly that's what, he was, what his, he was telling me to do. And then that night, he had me talk about what it means to be appointed to his service and how Paul thanked God that he considered him faithful for appointing him to his service. And what I love about that is that before Paul knew how faithful he was, God knew how faithful Paul was and how faithful Paul would be. And so all week long, I found myself, Griffin and I both, we found ourselves finding, um, we found ourselves in moments where God was literally just giving us what we needed in that particular moment, on that particular day. And I like to think that I operate that way most of the time, but in my, in my American mind, I don't know that I always do. And, I, and God's working on my heart about that, He really is. And I found myself thinking about this scripture, about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and that all these things would be added to you. And do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. Every single step of the way in Ukraine, God provided exactly what we needed for what was before us, for the task at hand. And I just think that's amazing. I'm not sure that I ever have experienced it quite the same way that we did this week. Griffin, I've done all the talking, man. I'm sorry. I don't know. Is there anything else you want, anything you wanted to add or say? Not really? <laughs> Griffin's like, Dad, are you going to call me out? And I just, you know, I want to end with this. I just really want to encourage all of us to think in terms of, you know, what is it that God has called us to do? What is it that God has appointed for you to do specifically here at home somewhere else you need to know what that is all of us need to be in a spot where we can say i thank i thank christ jesus my lord that he considered me faithful appointing me to his service i think that's got what god wants of all of us 
And I think this week in Ukraine was a display of God's grace that I just um, have never quite experienced before. I want to go back. I do. In fact, I'm planning to go back. Me too. I've asked God all week long to put people's names on my heart that might go back as well. And so, you know, if you get a call from me, it's because God, God told me about you. 